Because no two investors are the same, one size doesn't fit all. There's more to it. At S&P Dow Jones Indices, we offer index strategies for all types of investments. Comprehensive ESG solutions, core retirement strategies, multi-asset diversification, and new ways of thinking about risk management and income. They're all in one place. Express your investment views and give yourself the freedom to go anywhere with S&P Dow Jones Indices. Search Indexology on the web or hashtag Indexology on Twitter and LinkedIn. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach you, put it in context. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Finally, finally, we got a day that made sense. This morning, we learned that the Chinese government may be willing to level the playing field on trade, at least to a certain extent. The PRC is scrapping the Made in China 2025 plan, we hope, which was the Communist Party's attempt to dominate high-tech manufacturing by favoring domestic players and shutting out foreigners. With China perhaps backing away, notice I had to pull these hedge words, right? Perhaps backing away from the digital great leap forward, that is a real win for the United States. Which is why the Dow gained 157 points, while the S&P jumped 0.54%, NASDAQ pulled at 0.95%. And by the way, we were up even more before the late afternoon pullback, something we have to start getting used to. Because these days, rallies have a hard time staying strong into the close as it becomes increasingly risky for traders to go home long, as they say, meaning owning stocks from one session to another. Frankly, though, the rally was the most logical move we've seen in a while. Why is this such a positive development? Let's go through it. Okay, throughout this whole tortured trade war, the White House has never settled on a single policy. Instead, they've had two tracks. There's the trade war camp, the guys who want to do business with China, but on a fair basis. And then there's the Cold War camp, led by Vice President Mike Pence. Views trade is simply one front in a much larger struggle with the People's Republic. The prize? World domination. I am not kidding. Ever since the fall of the Soviet Union, America's been the world's sole superpower. China wants to take its place as a second superpower, superpower, and they want to do it by any means necessary, including some egregious trade practices like forcing foreign companies into joint ventures and then looting their technology. Now, the Chinese government says they won't drop this made in uh, China 25, 2025 plan. And if it's true, that is a very big deal, as long as they mean it. But here's the rub. We have no indication whatsoever that China's operating in good faith here. If the People's Republic wants to convince us that they are sincere, they should show us with deeds, not just words, and not just buys of corn and soy. Maybe allow American Express or MasterCard or Visa to do business in China, like they do pretty much everywhere else on Earth. I don't want to be too much of a skeptic, but diplomacy is a tricky business. We're now finding out that the Chinese companies have violated the sanctions on Iran, while China's intelligence agency has been hacking American businesses, including the big Marriott hack. More on that one later when we speak to FireEye, that's the cybersecurity specialist. In other words, the Communist Party is more than capable of saying one thing publicly and then quietly doing the opposite in reality. On the other hand, China's got plenty of reasons to come to the table. And if this news is the real deal, then it is a game changer. 
Don't want to be too cynical. How so? All right, let's use a stock for example that everyone's focused on, kind of like the market. Talk about the collapse of Apple stock. You know that's been an albatross around this market's neck. We know the iPhone maker has really got to share challenges. But we keep hearing about weaker sales in China. People are very worried about the possibility that the People's Republic might target Apple to retaliate against the United States. I know they make a lot of phones here, but listen to me. Uh, Especially after uh, we got Canada to arrest the CFO of one of China's largest companies. For example, on Monday, an obscure provincial court banned a host of iPhone models because of a long-running patent dispute with Qualcomm. The Communist Party controls all courts. So presumably this ruling came with the government's blessing. Not good. But if China's suddenly willing to make nice those Apple worries, they could go away. Second, the industrials have been obliterated beyond belief. I mean, just, just terrible. Based on that there was nothing China could do to mollify the hardliners in the White House, our people. But the 2025 plan is at the crux of their grievances against the PRC. And if the Chinese government is serious about dropping it, then suddenly a deal seems a lot more likely. The industrials have been a horrendous drag on the averages. as They get a lot of their growth from China. I, let's call it a whiff of hope. It, at one point, it seemed like a whole you know, cloud of hope. But that disappeared in the last half hour. Third, Investors are starting to realize that contrary to its reputation, the Chinese government is fallible. Hey, they're only human. Now, I think they've overplayed their hand here. When the first shots of the trade war rang out earlier this year, I told you China was a paper tiger. Nobody believed me because my judgment flew in the face of the conventional wisdom and the myriad China apologists that are on air every day. Now, though, the Chinese economy is slowing. It's slowing at a level that we didn't think could happen so quickly. It's fueled by exports, though. And we've, well, what do we do? We cut off part of the fuel supply. Finally, there's something nobody's talking about that could explain the PRC's real, real reason for softer stance. I got to beat on this one. It's the president. Donald Trump, it turns out, is not some implacable foe of China like the hardliners, even as he calls himself tariff man on Twitter. You know, he's actually more practical than that. Strange as this may sound, I think the Chinese are making a calculated bet that they might be on the wrong side of U.S. history if they don't get their act together. Why? Guess what? The vice president, Mike Pence, he's the real hawk, who above all, above all else, he wants to contain China's geopolitical ambitions. When you listen to Pence's speeches, it sounds like he's talking about the old godless Soviet Union. Emphasis on godless But President Trump is a businessman, and compared to Pence, I bet he's much more willing to make a deal, as long as it's advantageous to our corporate interests in the military. Now, let's talk bigger. Why did almost every stock fly up on the news today, even though they gave up some of the gains in the afternoon? Because without a trade war, our whole stock market is actually worth more. Hence why so many buyers went for the S&P 500, the index. This is a market where everything goes up on one day, and then tomorrow we're going to get more selective. What stays strong on day two? I say barring any contradictory ride posts from either government, which is... Hard to bar, I know, like the indictment of, uh, say, high-level Chinese officials by our Justice Department over hacking. I bet that it'll be tech again. But some new ones. I think the semiconductor capital equipment names have bottom. I'm talking about Lamb Research and Applied Materials. They can get a boost. I like some of the faster-growing chip makers like AMD, Lisa Su, Broadcom, Hock Tan, Xilinx. I like the prospects of the companies that are frantically trying to move away from Chinese suppliers, even as it's causing some quality issues along the way. I want you to think about RH. Yes, the old restoration hardware. The dollar stores, the source of a lot of cheap merchandise from China, they work too. Remember Dollar Tree came on? I like that. Dollar General, very good. Hey, same goes for the department stores that have a decent percentage of Chinese goods, like Kohl's. 
And of course, there's Visa, MasterCard, and American Express on the possibility they might be able to do business in the PRC. Now, there were some other positive distractions today. The endless Brexit soap opera might be reaching its conclusion. Prime Minister Theresa May just survived her no-confidence vote today. We're hearing the Italians are once again trying to get some logical closure on their budget issues. Germany's making some noises that maybe the uh, problems with Deutsche Bank can be fixed. That's good. Believe me, that's been pulling down a lot of financials because people don't know how big that problem is. Yeah, but those are three really boring issues uh, where there are finally clear, well-known paths that can end somewhere, anywhere, but at least end, please, as these problems hang over this market like a dark cloud and shroud. Oh, and then there's the Federal Reserve. You know, we got a tame consumer price index number today uh, to go with the tame producer price index, meaning that the there's really little inflation, in part because of the massive decline in oil prices. Fed Chief Jerome Powell thinks he needs to raise interest rates to slow down hiring and stop wage inflation. But every other type of inflation seems to be disappearing. What will Powell do when the Fed convenes next week? Ideally, he should wait a month, but he's already committed to one more rate hike, and I bet he does it. The economy slows down more than necessary, and then he hope, we hope he's done. It's not optimal, but I think it's the most likely scenario. I just wish he could create a million new workers to ease the shortages. An interest rate hike just lays off enough people to have them be hired again, maybe at lower wages. Bottom line, the market deserved a roar today off the Chinese news, even if their government may not be uh, trustworthy. Uh, But if the Chinese do blink on trade, maybe because of Mike Pence waiting in the wings, we enter a positive, more benign atmosphere where traders don't mind owning stocks after 4 p.m. Janet in Texas. Janet! Merry Christmas, Janet! I am looking at United Rentals. And as you have told us, do your homework. Make sure the company isn't broken. And I have. I cannot find anything wrong with this company. And also for Action Alert Plus members, and we have read your book, Get Rich Carefully, which has helped me immensely. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I'm glad you belong to the club. And I think you're right on URI. I was going back and forth with my friend Stephanie Link. This was a remarkable meeting they had. They really gave you some great numbers. Uh, They're buying back 12% of the company. Mike Nealon's terrific. I want to get Mike, Mike back on the show. I think this thing is so overdone to the downside. It's insane. It's acting as if we are about to have a recession, and we're not. I need to go right now to Matt in Florida. Matt! Hi, Jim. A big booyah to you from sunny Florida. Oh, uh, what part? I'm in uh, uh, Tampa. No, because my wife's looking for property in, at beachfront property. Can you believe it? Where does she uh, get the money nice. for this stuff? It's driving me crazy. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, I'm in Florida, but I'm a Buckeye at heart, and I have a question about the hometown, the hometown steel company, Cleveland Cliffs. Late September, the stocks seem to be testing a major line of resistance in the $13 range towards the upside. And with Q3 earnings, the company announced a new dividend, and they picked up nearly $150 million in revenues against Q3 last year. It's now trading 35% lower, and I remember you talking about some of those catalysts after the CEO's last earnings call. Yeah, but see, here's my problem. We have so many high-quality stocks that are uh, down a lot. Uh, Cleveland Cliffs, I mean, look, I remember I'm, I'm a little older and I do remember when uh, they had uh, issues with their balance sheet that were uh, that overcame them. And I just feel like that we ought to be much more involved with some of the higher quality ones. If you want to go minerals, well, let me just say, I think that you have to be uh, you have to be more in a caterpillar, uh, technically, if, if we do have some sort of apocalypse in Paris with the Chinese. OK, that's Latin. For peace. Today's rally made sense. Even though the Chinese government isn't the most trustworthy authority, it seems they're starting to understand that they might be on the wrong side of history if they don't get their act together. 
Mad Money tonight. Trade war tensions aren't the only concern when it comes to China. This morning, the U.S. Secretary of State confirmed the Chinese government hacked my account at Marriott. Dempsey stole the information from me and 499,999,000 people. How do you protect yourself against new cyber warfare? I'm talking to a company doing just that. Don't miss my exclusive with FireEye. Then Signet beat Wall Street's expectation. You know, Kay, Jared, right. But shares still sank after the report. Is it a diamond in the rough or is it more like cubic zirconia? I'm talking to the CEO. And Wix has been struggling like the rest of the tech sector. But that's just the stock because the business is red hot. And I'm going to talk to the CEO. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. CNBC's Workforce Executive Council is a premier group of C-suite human resources executives from leading companies across the country. It offers a members-only portal and chat, plus exclusive industry content, with access to breaking news calls and digital networking experiences. The network and resources HR leaders need now. Apply to the Workforce Executive Council at cnbccouncils.com WEC. The recent Marriott breach may be pointing to hackers in China. The breach is one of the largest in U.S. history. What does that mean for our national security? And could they be doing more with our data? We do see nation states compromising organizations on a regular basis. You can actually lose a lot off your stock price. You can lose a lot of money from these attacks. That companies absolutely need to be doing more when it comes to cybersecurity. It tells you that you have a pretty sophisticated actor here. On a terrific day for the averages, some stocks rallied a lot harder than others. Just look at the cybersecurity cohort. These names have rebounded dramatically since their lows last month, and today they got another boost when we learned that Chinese hackers were behind the Marriott data breach, the one that exposed the personal information of about 500 million people. Apparently, this breach was part of a broader campaign by China's Ministry of State Security, their communist equivalent of the CIA. Now, when it comes to the trade talks, this news throws yet another confounding variable into the mix. But if you're running a business, the takeaway is crystal clear. If your company wants to avoid an incident like the one that Marriott disclosed last month, you need to spend more on cybersecurity. It's one thing to protect your data against some disheveled hacker operating out of his mother's basement. It's another thing to go up against the People's Republic of China. That's why the whole group outperformed today, including FireEye, the purveyor of cybersecurity software that also has the best forensics division in the industry. Many businesses bring them in to investigate after they get hacked. We know FireEye is doing well because they reported a strong quarter at the end of October, and we just spoke to the CEO on our Veterans Day show. But after these latest revelations about China, i got to dig deeper. So let's check in with Kevin Mandia. He's the CEO of FireEye to learn more about state-sponsored cyber threats and how his company deals with them. Mr. Mandia, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you. Good to see you, Kevin. Have a seat. Thank you. All right, Kevin, I'm confused. We got... We learned today that the Chinese perhaps are going to soften their uh, world dominance 2025 plan. Mm -hmm. Uh, We hear that the president might uh, intervene positively for the uh, CFO of Huawei. Mm -hmm. But I pick up the New York Times and I read that the person who hacked my wife's Mm -hmm. data in Starwood was communist Chinese. How is this possible? Well, I think what you're witnessing, Jim, is... We're still trying to figure out the rules of engagement in cyberspace. You know, you go back to 2014, you had the Sony Pictures breach. First time in my career 
You see a nation deleting data at a private company. 2015, you see Russia change the rules of engagement. 2016, you see an election where documents are leaked by hackers from another nation. 2017, you see Iran get out out in front doing more intrusions than ever before on U.S. soil. In 2018, we're all figuring out where's the boundaries? Where does it end? How do we have rules? Well, you are, and I love how you put it in your notes, not just an appliance company, as you right. know, it's you're a software company. Right. If you were to go into any of these companies mm-hmm. ahead of time right. and say, look, here's what bad actors are doing, here's what you expect, right. you need to know instantly, would any of these been stopped? You know, it, you always want to say that you right. could stop them, but the reality is this is a nation with mil- you know, billions of people. Right. I liken it to this. It's a hockey analogy. It's like going up against Wayne Gretzky on a penalty shot. You know, if they get 10 shots on goal, Wayne Gretzky is going to put the puck in the net. We're talking about a nation picking on hospitality. That's not a fair fight. Would we detect these attacks? Yes. We're pretty well honed in. That's what we do for a living. We respond when these types of groups are successful in their intrusions, so we know their fingerprints. But you can't really expect every company to withstand a cyber military attack. That's probably not the bar you want to set as a nation. But what do we do with red teaming? Right. Well, I think it's important. I think red teaming, that's a CEO's opportunity to figure out unvarnished truth, how good their security is. Explain that to people because I think it's terrific theory. Yeah, what a red team is, is it's not just hiring people from outside your network to break in, but break into the corporate network and do something of impact and consequence. Get customer data, get the CEO's email, get to an industrial control system, perhaps influence it. Your CISO or Chief Information Security Officer is always going to brief the CEO with, here's, you know, we're in the green on this thing. But we're in the red on this thing. And as a CEO, when you see things in the red, you go, I have to do something about that. When you see things in the yellow based on judgment by your CISO, right. you're like, well, how do I feel about that? And when you see things in green, you wonder, are we really in the green? The only way to get truth about how good your security is is with red teams. Now, in, in your uh, most recent discussion at Barclays, you have very interesting talk about how you've got uh, people, 120 individuals that work outside of our breaches, right. outside of the red team. They speak 32 languages. There are nine. This is your team. Yes, it is. Yeah, we want to know. First, we learn a lot front, you know, on the front lines, responding to all these breaches, figuring out what happened, what to do about it. We want to know more than that. We want to know who's doing it. Ultimately, attribution does matter. Otherwise, there's no risk or repercussions. There's no deterrence in cyberspace if we don't know who's doing it. Well, can you go to the government after you find one of these and say, uh, to, I don't know, Homeland Security, or maybe you go to the Defense Department and say, listen, you got to understand, these guys are doing this to us. They could be doing it to you. Well, we have a strong partnership with our government. You we do. have a strong partnership with over 60 governments, uh, both on the intelligence side as well as on the forensic side. But uh, ultimately, we're in the business of protecting our customers from the exact threats that are successful if, if you're not prepared ahead of time. They use the term unvarnished truth, almost right. as if there are companies that don't want to hear it. Well, how else do you know truth and security? You can have people go around. It, it, a lot of places, it's a compliance drill. If you're okay. regulated, you want to have that nice pie chart for regulators. Yeah. And you want to say, we have this control. These people assigned to that control. We're in the green. But a lot of products, what I've learned over the years, not every product does what you think it does. And a lot of times, you get hit by both sides. The product doesn't defend you from everything they claim it does stop. And on the other side, you might be only using 40% of the capability of the product. There's so much user error and mistakes. A lot of these pie charts are 
just an assessment, a subjective right. assessment that we're doing okay. Okay, so let's say I have a database that has 500 right. million names. Right. Uh, and that is the treasure of what I have. Right. And I know that my business is going to take a hit if those names come out. Can I employ you, five other firms, and just make sure that that never gets into the hands of the Chinese? Well, you do the best you can. But again, I think there are people probably in uniform badging into a building that ultimately did this breach. <laughs> Realize this. you got to look at how people do business. A lot of times that information has to be shared to dozens of other companies. So, there's, so it's accessible in many different ways to many different customers. So outside looking in, a lot of people may have the response, I can't believe they lost this information. Right. Don't forget, there are professionals on the other side, and the asymmetry is you're not going to pitch a perfect game in security every day. You're just not. And, and you're up against some of the best hackers in the world. Okay, but uh, has it stepped up? I mean, here we are yeah. trying to have a good relationship yes. with China, but we're being tough. Right. And they're just, they're just piling on, huh? Well, I think... There have been real changes ever since there's been an agreement between the United States and China that was signed, I believe, in September of 2015. But people say they're going back on that, Kevin. People do say that. It comes down to what is fair game for espionage? You know, and there's a fine line between hacking for security and hacking for economic reasons, because those would argue a strong economy is security. So uh, I think there's always going to be aggression in cyberspace. I think globally right now, Nobody wants it to dial up another notch, but what I've seen over the last three years is the rules of engagement have broken. I'm not sure what's going to happen next for many nations with a modern capability. All right, so are you being brought in as part of a suite of products? I mean, I know mm-hmm. uh, Chuck Robbins, Cisco, he's got kind right. of an end-to-end solution, mm-hmm. but a lot of companies just have a little piece of it. Are you right. par- a part of that, or are you just kind of, listen, if you want us, yeah. we do it alone? Well, we can do it alone, but we like to do it with a lot of other players as well. So I don't think any one company will ever own incident detection. There's always going to be a human that could detect an issue. Uh, and realize my frame of reference is responding to over 600 breaches every year. So we see the kill shots that you know go through the vest, as they say. We have six ways into a customer. We have services, we have intelligence, we have network security, endpoint security, email security, and then the brains, you know, a box that's like adding a thousand people to your security program. All right. Now, we're well past this notion that it's a nuisance, right? I mean, I know uh, we got hacked this week on uh, Hmm. press the wrong button on Apple. Okay. It was almost impossible to clean things up. What do you do if you know you've been... Uh, you know, I did a radio show once. And somebody called in from Regina, Saskatchewan, I think it was, and said, hey, same question. I hate to say it, I wrote a 500-page book on what you do. If your machine's compromised, it depends on how. Cleaning it up, if you're not a professional, I hate to say it, it's, uh, you need a brain surgeon to do brain surgery. Um, you'll you'll want to call somebody to clean it up for you. Um, I, I, do you think that the lines are now beginning to blur between corporate and military? I do yeah, feel I, that the military is working on behalf of Chinese corporations. You know, it's been explained to me, I don't have firsthand experience, but it, it's been explained to me that the Chinese don't believe our government and our private sector is truly separate, right. but it actually is. And when I heard it explained that way, I sort of got it, that their economy really isn't separate from their government right. in many ways. Right. That difference is just a cultural divide that uh, we got to learn to live with. Man, they got the edge on us in some ways. Mm-hmm. They do. Well, we got you. Yeah. We got your guys. Yeah. I like it. You got the red team. You, you got it. But, uh, you know, we saw legislation people are working for. The bottom line is what I have observed. U.S. government is holding nations accountable. They're doing it with publicly facing indictments against North Koreans. Right. Uh, the Dutch came out, and they did it with the, Uni- with the U.K. on Chinese hackers a couple months ago. Sooner or later, 
if you really want to be part of the global economy, you're going to have to play by the rules that the other nations want you to play by. Well, in the meantime, we've got to have, fi- we got to have FireEye. That's Kevin Mann, CEO of FireEye. He's done remarkable work all in the documents about how this company has transitioned from being an appliance company that comes in after to being a company that offers a terrific suite of software that can really help. Man Money's back after the break. Timing's everything in this business. Consider the case of Signet, the jewelry retailer you know as Jared, Zales, and K Jewelers. After spending ages in the doghouse because of corporate cultural issues, Signet brought in a new CEO last year, Jetta Drosos. And boy, she's been spearheading an incredible turnaround. One that had the stock soaring to the stratosphere over the summer. Lately, though, Signet's erased all those gains and then some darn things down more than 50% from its highs in August, including a hideous 18% decline last Thursday alone. The problem? Well, not the economy seems to be slowing. Investors are worried about competitive pricing and promotions, which cut into profit margins. We need to get a better sense of what's happening here, which is why earlier today we visited Virginia Drosos, the CEO of Signet, uh, at one of her K jeweler stores in Edgewater, New Jersey. So take a look. Is the season, Jenna. Tell me about this store and how you're doing for the holidays. Uh, well, thanks, Jim. It's great to have you in our store. Uh, we're in a K off mall store. It's one of our um, our best performing um, footprints. So we're very excited about the holiday season. We have 90% of our ads are new, uh, so we're driving traffic into the store where customers are finding lots of beautiful new merchandise. Uh, Our Love and Beloved collection um, is one of the highlights, three stone rings, uh, beautiful Neil Lane products, so we're very excited. Those of us who have bought Neil Lane know that this is a very high-end jewelry for, uh, for what we regard as K, at least the old K. You know, Kay has a range of jewelry for everyone's budget. Um, In our bridal collections, for example, we start down in the hundreds of dollars and go all the way up to over $10,000, depending on what kind of center stone people want to choose. You have done remarkable work in trying to repair what you have told me in the past is troubled, uh, let's say a, a troubled culture. Where are you in the transformation? Well, we called Pats of Brilliance a three-year transformation. Uh, we are seeing some good green shoots in our customer-first omni-channel and our culture initiatives. And I think our, our team is really passionate about what we're doing. I mean, you you know, look, I mean, this is an exciting place to be at the holidays. And I think you can just feel the energy of our team. Now, on your uh, conference call in December, uh, some people were concerned you saying that you see a more competitive environment, department stores moving in. You actually talked about the idea that there could be clearance. I did not know these things. You, you're so transparent. Very big change from the previous culture. Uh, if these things are true, how can sales be so good? Well, we're very transparent about what we're seeing in the business, Jim, for sure. Um, We always have clearance as part of our business. All retailers do. Um, Ours has been a little higher this year because we've shipped in so much new product. Uh, About a year ago, 20% of our sales were in new merchandise. This year, more than 30%. So it's really representative of the strategy change that we've put in place. Everybody wants to be in this business. I know the department stores are all stepping up jewelry. You've got more than just K. How's everybody doing in the different uh, nameplates? Well, um, we have some competitive advantages that we're really leveraging for this holiday season. Um, Certainly our service is one of those and our omni-channel experience. So a lot of retailers, uh, people can just go online and buy things, and that's absolutely fine. In the jewelry business, people want a connected omni-channel journey. So, for example, 40% of people 
start their search online uh, for bridal jewelry or for gifting. But for bridal, certainly more than 90% of the sales actually happen here in the store with our expert consultants. It seems like the bridal's got very good gross margins. Well, our, um, our business in general, um, we think, is you know, healthy from a, um, a, an operating profit as well as a top-line sales standpoint. Right, now, I know you're a conservative person, and yet you bought back from 2016 to 2018 from 79 million shares down to 51 million shares. That's pretty aggressive. Is that the right use of capital? The stock has come down at an average price of 55. Uh, I know that there are people who are, uh, took profits after this quarter. Is, is buying back stock? still right? Well, we're very thoughtful about our capital allocation strategy. And what we declared at the time that we outsourced our credit portfolio is that we would use those proceeds to buy back stock. At this point in time, what we've said about capital allocation is that first, we'll use it to invest in growth of our business, like the same store sales growth that we saw in the third quarter. So three quarters in a row of improved performance for this business. So that's by, by, you know, far and away the number one place that we'll put capital. I know you were troubled when uh, we first started talking about the way uh, about some of the credit issues. You did talk about uh, claims experience uh, that did seem to be uh, hurt the bottom line a little. We threw that. Well, the concerns that we had last uh, Christmas season were real. Um, We had operational issues with how we had worked on the outsourcing of our credit portfolio. We fixed those, and we feel very good about that. In fact, we invested four hours of training for every single one of our jewelry consultants in Kay and Jared across the country to make sure that they feel comfortable with all of our payment program options, leasing and credit, so that they can help customers buy the products they want this holiday. Well, I'm thrilled that you want to grow. Where's the money being put? I saw the piercing pagoda numbers. I know it's not big enough. It is on fire. Why not just put some money toward that? Because that is, I know for my kids, piercing is the millennial experience. Yeah, piercing pagoda is absolutely on fire. We're really excited about that business. One of the things that's doing so well at piercing pagoda is gold. We have beautiful gold jewelry, chains, earrings, bracelets. We've brought that across our line. So we have outstanding gold selections here in this K store, ranging from $50 up to $9,000 for a beautiful diamond-encrusted statement necklace. Okay, so just well, last thing, just want to spend some time on the culture because this is something that you, you came in to a situation that there had been some uh, negative press, had nothing to do with you, about a male-dominated culture. You have brought in fresh people who are trying to still root out anything that's wrong. Where, do you, where are you in the transformation? Because you said it was going to take three years. Yes. So first and foremost, I'd say that diversity and inclusion have been hallmarks of my career. And I would never be part of a company that wasn't pristine on that front. So I think we've got that very clear in our culture. It's also an exciting place for talented people to be. Tell me. I mean, look at, look at our store manager here, our district manager, our, our VP of regional operations, our division VP women, all the way up the I, ranks. I, I think so that's fantastic. fantastic. Now, uh, 70%, you, actually 70%, 70% of our store managers across the country are women. And your top management? And, oh, more than 50% of my C-suite and 50% of our board of directors, which for a public company, you would know is 
a fantastic result. No, definitely. But it's not just about having women in our organization. It's about having a place where everyone can bring their full talents to work every day. And Still that's able what to we find good for. people. I mean, it's a tight labor market. Yeah, it has been a tight labor market. We got out in front of hiring for the holiday season, and we're fully staffed in our stores. We're feeling good about well, that. Sounds like it could be. Uh, I know some people are, are struggling right now, and some of them mall based. But obviously, you're giving a, a pretty positive. A picture even maybe even more positive than December 6th. I, I mean, that's not that long ago. I mean, so obviously you're having a good look at it. Though. I'm trying to give the same picture, actually, that I gave on December 6th, okay. which is we did raise our full year same store right. guidance after having a good first three quarters. Um, we feel like we've got the right merchandise in place, the right marketing. We've got our store teams rearing to go. So we're very focused on executing a strong holiday. I think that's excellent. That's Jenna Drosa. She's the CEO. Thank you so Thank much you, for your time. On a very good day for the averages like this one, what do we make of the stocks that stubbornly refuse to levitate? Look at the stock of Wix. It's the cloud-based web design company that helps both regular people and small businesses create their own sites. The rest of the cloud cohort's roaring here, but Wix remains in the doldrums for the moment. It's down $3.41 today. On, actually, I've scoured everything. Nothing in particular. Institutional chatter about, about selling. I mean, I think that this, this story is a solid one, and maybe you're just getting a chance to buy it when it underperformed. Now, until roughly three months ago, Wix was a fabulous performer. The stock had more than doubled year-to-date going into the end of September thanks to a series of strong quarters. Like many of its cloud-based peers, though, the stock got annihilated during the market-wide meltdown. Unlike the other cloud plays, this one has yet to rebound. Why not? Wix reported a month ago the numbers were solid, but the stock just can't seem at this moment to get any traction, even after Wix just announced a new suite of small business software last night that we have to hear about. So let's take a closer look about this one with, uh, with Abhishek Abrahami. He is the co-founder and CEO of Wix, a visionary in this business. Find out more about how his company's doing and where it's headed. Mr. Abrahami, welcome back to Mad Money. Good to see you, hey, sir. Thank you. Thank you. I had to put the stock in context because I can't find any reason why, I mean, your stock went up big. The new products are great. The numbers, talking about 20% of your, you have 137 million registered users? Yes, we do. Actually, we think we just across the 140. So that was from the last quarter, right? And all over the world, right? All over the world, 190 countries. How many languages? Uh, we support 17 languages just in our product, but people can load into that whatever language they want. So we have, I think, about 300 languages that we detected used by on Wix. Right. Well, I know the numbers are good. We're going to talk about this, but I wanted, we had something you and I have not talked about. Your company empowers the little guy to look every bit as good as the big guy. I, I defy anyone from being able to tell whether one company's rich and the other company's poor if they use Wix. It is true. You know, we focused a lot on, on giving the tools to have the small guys fight against the big companies, right? right? By having an amazing websites and everything they need to supply high-quality service to their customers. All right, so how about this new product? Uh, what is uh, Send by Wix going to do? So, you know, when you build a website, right, the next thing you want to do, right, is start bringing customers. Yes. Right, and then you have to communicate with this customer. Tell them what's going on, chat with them, send them messages. And this is what a Send is, right? It's a way for you to bring more traffic to your website, okay? And then it's a small CRM and communication tools to talk with your customers. Basically, we took what would normally be 20 different products and integrated them into one consistent experience. Well, that's amazing. And how much will that be per month? Uh, starting price is $20. The most expensive package is about 40 I don't think people realize the bargain that you have because we use you in both our restaurants. It's just not expensive. 
I mean, you managed to keep it at a low price. How do you do that, frankly? Because you, I know you hiked the price for some older products. You got rid of a lower tier, but you're not, you don't cost that much. So we believe that, you know, if we have a really good product, right, and, and, and people just learn how to use it, and then yeah. they use it themselves, we reduce support and cost, support and marketing. And by doing that, we enable us to deliver a great service with a reasonable price. Okay, I am very interested in payments. You say you've got a payment system in Brazil. You use the term massive adoption. Yes. Tell me about it. When can we get it? So we didn't announce the full numbers yet, but we're seeing that uh, uh, in Brazil it's very hard. If you, wanna, if you have an online business and you want to be able to charge credit cards, right. it takes about between three to six months traditionally. Right. It's completely, completely insane. Okay. So we did something that you can just go and do it in 20 minutes. Right? That's the thing. You just put your email, set up, boom, you're done. You can start charging money. And, and, and now we're taking this and we're going to offer it now also in the United States and Europe. So in the United States, obviously, there is a, it's easy, a much more easy to, right. to, to charge money online. But we do believe this product brings a lot of additional benefits. Okay, how about code? So code for us is one of the most amazing things we did, right? It's very ambitious. We now opened Wix so people can program into Wix, right? So you can actually right. build anything you want on top of the Wix yes. platform, right? And we take over your databases, the security, provisioning, everything else, we do it for you. So to build a, an application, right, instead of uh, renting servers, taking databases, configuring all of those things, you can just go in, use the Wix UI to build something, add on to the line of code, and it's ready. Now, I think that maybe Wall Street wasn't ready for the fact that you decided that you uh, dropped the lowest tier, that you'd rather just have a lot of Good, high-paying customers. I mean, to me, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I guess people didn't understand. You got you have 26% growth in premium subscriptions. It's a fantastic business, the premium subscription. Why do the other? Well, the way we look at it is that we had this tier where we had advertising, small advertisement for Wix and, right. and us, and it just didn't make sense. No. A lot of the customers were complaining about it. So we got a lot of people saying, I'm paying you. Why do you still have it? I said, well, so we kind of said, okay, let's get rid of it. I think that was a very, so we, very good move. Yeah. There's a small... They know the influence on the total amount of premiums, but revenue is actually up. Okay, uh, one, one last thing. I need you to talk about the idea that there are some people, that a lot of people are using this code. For, there's some people have it four times, you said, multiple subs. What that really is is that you've got a lot of professionals using Wix to design yes. things. Yes, we have about 50,000 people that we believe are building websites for other people. But right? you refer people if you describe. Yeah, yeah. We, do, we don't do that ourselves, right? So if no. people come to us and say, I need help, we refer them to one of those resellers or to designers or to developers, right, to build, to, to build sites for them. And how do you find those? Because I thought that was fascinating because I said to my wife, I said, I don't know how to ask Wix. So a lot of them just approach us and come to us and ask okay. us, can I find some a designer? Or I am a designer and we just match them. So we have a place called the Wix Arena where you can just go around, browse, and find a lot of them. Well, you know, you're a godsend for small businesses like us who just, frankly, are over our heads. But we're not anymore. Uh, and you should try us then. It will uh, actually help you uh, maintain this relationship with your customers, know when their birthday is, send them gifts, coupons, Oh, no, it's a great idea. It's going to use cool. Coolio. It can integrate both of them. Thank you so much. That's uh, uh, Abhishek Abrahami. He's the co-founder and CEO of Wix.com. There's no reason why the stock should be down other than some sort of macro reason that somebody didn't like high-growth stocks. Ben Money's back here. It's time for a 
And then the light round's over. Are you ready? Ski down to the light round. Question I'm start with James in Virginia. James. Yo, awesome James here. I'm calling about Silas One, C-O-N-E. I like that company. I know it's got a 3% yield, but it's got great growth, being 3% meaning not that high. And I believe in the data center. I don't think it's slowing down. And they came on the show and said that. Let's go to John in New York. John. Jim, how are you, Jim? I'm good, friend. How about you? Jim, I've been following you since 1981. I've been in the market since 1981 investing. And let me tell you, if it wasn't for you... I'd be lost most of the time. You're very kind. You're the only person out there that is making sense of this mess that's going on in the last three months. Well, thank I you mean, very much. I think, Jim, that the, the, the inmates have taken over the asylum on Wall Street because it makes no sense what's going on in this market at no, all. No, and that's why I want a series of town halls convened by the SEC, or I'd like to be there, and we talk about what real investors want, like you and me. So we can get Jim, real investors exactly in, not right. guys flitting in and out. The SEC is not moving on these things, and they're killing the small investors. I agree with like you. I have more faith in uh, another SEC, the one that appears on another network. What's going on? How about a stock? Well, yeah, Jim, like I said, overall, I'm doing very well with my portfolio. Thanks in a large measure to you. Thank you. But there are two, there's one stock that's baffling me. I invest in two steel companies. Okay. I have Nucor and U.S. Steel. Okay, well, I want you to now, sell Nucor- U.S. Steel. I want you to sell U.S. Steel, John, and just keep Nucor. Nucor's got a good dividend policy, very, very good balance sheet. I can't say that about letter X. Let's go to Rocky in Texas. Rocky, and thanks for those comments. Rocky. Hello, Jim. Thank you for taking my call. Okay. I'm a big fan of yours. Thank you. I like your energy and everything. Uh, my stock for today is uh, Southwest Airlines. Well, that stock acts bad, I got to tell you. It's down 22%. I really, I think Gary Kelly is too good to tell you to sell that stock down here. But, ooh, man, other people like United a lot better. My daughter, interesting to say about United last night, if you want to follow her on Twitter. Bill in Florida. Bill. Hi, Jim. Happy holidays from St. Augustine, Florida. Ooh, beautiful. Oldest city. Oldest city. Oldest city. My question to you is about a regional bank, uh, PacWest. It hit a 52-week low yesterday, right. and um, and it's got a sick. You can't own a bank. It. I mean, this yields 6.7%. I am not worried about the yield, but I can't have you be in that stock. It's too nightmarish. Any bank. And that, ladies and gentlemen, of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Time to make a bold call. I think Facebook, the stock, is ready to bottom. Maybe it already has. Maybe it can go higher. Why? Because when you listen to the retailers that have reported lately, they all sing the same tune. The time has come to spend even more money on digital media. That's the theme of the quarter, especially from the retailers that have hitherto been left behind. Digital is the best way to get traffic, they say. It's mentioned over and over and over again on practically every retail conference call I've been on. And if you want to advertise online, Facebook, it's become unavoidable. Look, I know Facebook's been a hideous investment ever since the stock peaked at $218 near the end of July. Management's made a series of unforced errors, and the stock's been hammered down to 144 as of today. The company's despised. 
But man, if a chain of stores wants to bolster its digital presence, a major chunk of that spending will go to Facebook, along with Amazon and Alphabet. Sure, it may not go to the company's most lucrative unit, the old-fashioned Facebook. Taste changed. The younger generation prefers Instagram, which is a lower-margin business. The thing is, Facebook still owns Instagram. I'm not saying it's the only game in town, but if you want to hit influencers, if you want to get the word out, you got to do it with Facebook. You can build out your own website. It just gets lost in the web. Good luck driving traffic to, to, without the king of social media. Plus, you need to place your ads where millennials can see them. That means you can go to Twitter, but it's not been all that successful this quarter. You can go to Snap, which seems like it's falling apart. Google's an option, although it's already clogged with ads, isn't it? And while Amazon's very effective for most retailers, it's also a competitor. That leaves Facebook, Instagram. There are only so many places to get the word out on the web, and Facebook owns two of them. So why the heck is the stock so heavy? Why does Facebook sell for only almost 19 times next year's earnings estimates despite having about 20% growth? I can think of three reasons. One, maybe the bad publicity is driving users away faster than new ones can be added. Two, mismanagement and the refusal to do anything about it. As Facebook's top executives adopt what I think feels like a bunker mentality. Why hasn't the board brought in a grown-up to supervise this Mark Zuckerberg? I mean, look, that's what he needs. Third, maybe the advertisers are all going to Amazon because it's better at identifying consumers who actually want something to buy at the point of sale. We don't know how much these three issues are hurting Facebook right now, but we do know they lost a lucrative revenue stream. They can no longer sell your data to the highest bidder. And we know that that they need to spend actual money to police their sites. Those are deadweight losses. Look, we all want to know if Facebook can be trusted, right? I mean, we know it's an idea, but can we trust it? For advertisers, though, that's not the salient question. They simply want to peddle their wares in a platform with the best reach, and I think that's still Facebook, Instagram. And even if Amazon's better, many retailers don't want to give them business because Amazon, as I've said, is their biggest competitor. That's why I think Facebook stock is bottoming here. The company's got a mighty buyback. It's been all but ignored all the way down. They just started it on Friday. People didn't seem to care. They sure do care now. Uh, and I think they can start turning things around. And i got to tell you, I think you can buy the stock next time the market takes a header. It's worth doing it. Stick with me. Last Friday, when we did our game plan, I said that one meeting that you must watch is the meeting for Lowe's, the analyst meeting led by Marvin Ellison. It was a total tour de force. They raised guidance. They really laid out a terrific way to be able to compete with Home Depot. And I think this stock is one that you can buy on any dip now, even if you don't like the housing cycle. That's because management is executing, and execution is the key to a retail stock going higher. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you tomorrow. CNBC's Workforce Executive Council is a premier group of C-suite human resources executives from leading companies across the country. It offers a members-only portal and chat, plus exclusive industry content, with access to breaking news calls and digital networking experiences. The network and resources HR leaders need now. Apply to the Workforce Executive Council at cnbccouncils.com slash WEC.